All right, here we go. The podcast with Pastor Cass. Necessary conversations. What up, though? <laughs> What's going on, Justin? You was extra jazzy with that intro. Yeah, man. You know, I felt a little. It's been a minute, so I had to make sure I landed that ship right, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was afraid I was going to butcher it, so. <laughs> no, nah, man. It was clean. It was good, clean. Good. Speaking of, man, it's been two too long my guy my What's dude up? my dude man i'm good how you doing man i'm doing grand as some you're well aware of yes and, sir to our listeners uh both your pastor and your podcasting friend have had some good days in the recent <laughs> since the last episode indeed yeah god is kind <laughs> then some I do want to say, since it's been so long, folks, when you just give us a little grace, if this isn't our best episode ever, <laughs> we go try to act like we've done this before, but it's been a minute. Yeah, we're going to knock the rust off a little bit. And most importantly, I need some feedback on this one. Give us what y'all think. Like, tell us if you like it, love it, or hate it. You know, hit us up on the IG, and uh, you can go to the Facebook post. You can even uh, send an email, necessary, com- you know, uh, conversepasscast at gmail.com. Just give us some feedback. Let us know how we're doing. Other than when the next episode coming, <laughs> I want some real, I want some real meat, <laughs> so I can pick on Pastor Dory and pass it all to him. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, being that we've had so long, I've had so many different thoughts to, as to what I want to uh, question you with and have some fun on. So today, I'm going to land on a conversation that is, uh, I think, should be fun. Because uh, I think it'll cross over into both spectrums of spirituality and natural things. But fight or flight, that's something that they talk about a lot in my career field when you're learning, like, is it time to run or is it time to fight? From the spiritual standpoint, the term and phrase that I want to dig into is called, and forgive me if I butcher this, Christian pacifism. And ultimately, what it gets defined as is a theological and ethical position, uh, according to which pacism and nonviolence have both a scriptural and rational basis for Christians and affirms that any form of violence is incompatible with the Christian faith. Now, people that subscribe to the theory of Christian passive pacifism, they would tell you that Jesus himself was a pacifist and he taught this and practiced it. And that's what his followers must also do as Christians. Uh, most famous here that you would think of is one Martin Luther King Jr. Mm-hmm. That was uh, the, a form of Christian pacifism. And uh, he mostly took a lot of his theory, they say, from uh, what's the uh, most famous? Gandhi. Gandhi. So that's like kind of where a lot of that came. But there are others that uh, if you study history, uh, Leo Tostoy. Aiden Baloo, Aman uh, Hennessy. <laughs> I couldn't help it. I'm like, it's. <laughs> but these were also uh, Christ- famous Christian pacifists that uh, basically used any form to resolve conflict with nonviolence. And then there's this whole Christian peace church movement that comes from it. And. You know, there's this whole thing. So long story short, I just want to start off the conversation with, are there circumstances that which me and you as brothers in the faith could justify fighting? Well, I mean, Christians fight all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, uh, justifying, I mean, 
of course we could justify it. Would we be right? Right. Is, you know, is a different story. Um, pacifism and, and nonviolence, uh, for the record, there are multiple, well, gosh, I don't know. Uh, there's many, many different versions of pacifism, mm-hmm. um, just for the record, um, you know, and maybe levels of it because there are some on the most extreme end of it that say it does not matter what happened. Mm-hmm. There is no justification for violence from a Christian of any sort. Mm-hmm. Um, then their goals in different levels of justification for types of violence. So it's violence. If you know, if the amount of good that's going to come from it is going to outweigh mm-hmm. the violence. And and there's actually a whole doctrine of just war, mm-hmm. you know, that uh, I think St. Augustine was the first one. Well, not the first, but the Christian version of a just war. Okay. You know, and I think there's like six six points. So talking about justifying violence. Yeah, yeah. I think there was like six points and it's things like, um, you know, have you exhausted every other, you know, recourse? Is the reason devoid of greed or revenge, right? Like mm-hmm. if greed or revenge is involved in it, there's no justification for it. If you haven't exhausted all of your other options and of your mean and your other means, no justification for it. Um, is the response proportionate? So somebody can't throw a rock at you and then you drop a bomb on them. Like <laughs> it's a you know. And does yeah. the good outweigh you know the destruction that will come from it? There's like different. So like they try to put into doctrine this. Okay, we are pacifists unless it's a just war, but it has to meet these criteria in order to be mm-hmm. labeled as such. Um, or is it pacifism? You know, is it justified, you know, like civil war to mm-hmm. end slavery? Mm-hmm. You know, so pacifism is actually a really complicated, you know, yeah, subject. And, you know, a lot of us boil it down to our, yeah, situation of is it ever justified for a Christian to, to fight? And I, you know, y'all know me. I don't ever want to just answer that kind of question because it's because under, <laughs> it is a trap question. It, it's sure. it's just it's it's a. I don't know if that's the best way to genuinely try to understand mm-hmm. how nonviolence mm-hmm. works. You know, so maybe I don't know. Okay, I don't know. All right. Um, and now you you bring you said something that kind of took me in another thought process. So forgive me for kind of taking you into this conversation mm-hmm. that might be a little bit too much. And you say that's I, I don't have enough time or data on this because uh, you talked about justified war. And one of the I would say more famous wars were like the Crusades, mm-hmm. where it was a religious war based on the Holy Land. Yes. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that in particular? So. Or maybe with his side of history, to be honest with you, to it. be honest with you. So the whole idea of Christian pacifism becomes complicated once Christianity gets aligned with government mm. in mm. Rome. So in early Christianity, 
pacifism and Christians being nonviolent and not participating in war and not fighting was understood. That mm-hmm. was that was a violent Christian. There was no such thing. As a matter of fact, it was a regular part of conversion that if a man was in the military and he got saved or converted, he yeah. left the military. Okay. There, there, there was no. We were getting Christians were getting fed to lions and torn apart. Like mm-hmm. it was, it was a religion of love. There was no the whole idea of should a Christian be a part of the military wasn't even a thing okay until you get christian alignment with the roman government which is a government of conquest imperialism you know a government of war Mm -hmm. and now as a christian alignment with such government now christian ideals intermingling with the goals of a secular government or a natural government Mm -hmm. now you gotta do the math on should a christian be fighting in the military right when the kingdom of god being complete this is why like getting into the crusades things of that i think the crusades were bad period okay let me just say that in general i read a book it's called the dogs of war talking about the crusades Mm -hmm. i i think the crusades were bad period not even in the idea of christian pacifism just in the idea of christianity as imperialism and taking Uh violently land in the name of god i think it's just bad okay in general and that is because and this is why pacifism is an interesting subject because what it really speaks to before we get into okay if somebody's like trying to rob your wife right are you justified in beating him up before we get into that granular Mm -hmm. application what you must understand what somebody believes about christian pacifism says more about what we believe about our place in this world Mm -hmm. and what's worth fighting for who we fight for and where our allegiance lies Mm -hmm. right because if i genuinely see myself as a citizen of the kingdom of god primarily Mm -hmm. like why would i feel obligated to be fighting for america's you know, aspirations in the Middle East. I'm a citizen of heaven and Mm -hmm. killing another human being over American aspirations. Those aren't mine. Mm -hmm. Mine are the aspirations of the kingdom Uh and the kingdom isn't ushered in by killing other people. It's ushered in by, you know, the love of God breaking into the earth. So like you got to start about, and I believe in nonviolence. I be, and 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 I am. And I don't know. This may be controversial to say because there may be, you know, Christians who are part of the military that yeah. listen to this. I do believe. I'm. I'm not going to go so far as to say like I don't think you can be Christian and serve in the military. Okay. I'm not going to go so far as to say that, but I do think a Christian that enacts violence on other human beings in the name of America and its pursuits. Like you got to do you that, that requires some serious introspection. We've yeah. tried to marry American and Christian ideals as if to fight for America is somehow a holy or sanctified thing. And I don't believe that that's the case. Yeah. I don't believe that that's the case at all. And if your citizenship is genuinely in the kingdom of God, Mm-hmm. 
are the ideals of America and the violence with which America that America visits on the rest of the world are those in alignment with kingdom values. Mm-hmm. I think that we I think most Christians you, you you got some hard questions that you got to ask yourself about violence. Right. And that's kind of where I like that's right where I was going anyways as far as military and mm-hmm. Christianity. And like someone like myself, I could have joined the Air Force sure. and flown nonviolent missions. Yep. And then I could have joined bomb dropping missions. You know? So like, is it one of those things because you don't know where you're gonna get assigned to, you just shouldn't do? Or eh, if you're doing it, it's just a job. So, well, like I do know that there are people who are conscientious objectors, or they say, Well, I'll be in the military, but I won't do anything violent. Mm. I'll be a doctor. I'll be yeah, a nurse. I'll be a cook. I'll, you know. Engineer. Engineer. I'll be logistics, but I won't shoot, won't drop bombs. And again, and that's why I say um, pacifism and nonviolence exi- exist on a spectrum. Mm-hmm. Because for many, that would be an act of nonviolence. However, for some, you're still aiding. Yeah. That's what I was getting to. The military industrial complex. Like you're still aiding violence. You're supporting the ultimate network of of violence. So it does exist on a spectrum, which is why I'm going to try to avoid making that kind of demonstrative statement. But one of the things that I want to make sure everybody knows in any kind of violence you engage in most especially state-sanctioned violence for those of us who are Americans. And we, like, I think our conversation about pacifism and nonviolence has to be colored and has to be considered in the fact that we live in what is one of the most violent countries that has ever existed. Mm-hmm. Now, you can talk about Pol Pot and you can talk about you know, a lot of the Genghis Khan and a lot of these people that have, yeah. you know, killed whole swaths of, you know, the Earth's population. Yeah. Granted, but our military is the most funded military in the history of the world. In the history of the world. We've got like enough nuclear bombs to blow up the world like a thousand times over. Right? Like it's it, the the amount of investment in violence that mm-hmm. the United States engages in um, the amount of violence we consistently engage in around the world and then the lengths we go to justify that violence and I think that's really what's dangerous Mm. I think that's really what's dangerous for us is the propaganda Mm -hmm. that all of us are inundated with to justify the violence I was talking about it in Bible class tonight. I think America's coverage of the Ukraine war is absolutely absurd. Mm. It's absurd. It's embarrassing. It's so it lacks so much self-awareness that either either they are doing it. Well, and I like I, I subscribe to the New York Times. Yeah. Um, not claiming that that's the best news source, but. I get it free with my American Express. They cover my subscription. <laughs> so. And I've always been a New York Times reader, among yeah. other things. And the coverage of it has just been, 
like constant, the whole front page, like every every day yeah. is about the Ukraine war, and they're talking about the atrocities, and they can't believe Vladimir Putin is killing citizens, and they're showing pictures of citizens dead in the street. Like, look at this crazed man; he cannot stay in power. Russia is getting ready to lose. They thought it was going to be three days, and look, it's been three weeks. And I keep thinking, does America not know who we are? How dare we act like we cannot believe that Vladimir Putin would kill citizens? We've never done that. We bombed Hiroshima. What are we talking about? <laughs> we bomb citizens every day. And are we that? Do we lack that much self-awareness that is that obvious that we don't care because the people we kill generally are brown? And we're going to be like, but a lot of it has to do with we're just used to getting fed the propaganda that when America does it, it's holy. Mm -hmm. It's just. But I think we as believers and as Christians, when we come to the question of violence, yeah, we have to consider how saturated we are, not with just violence, but with a justification and a sanctification of violence as Americans. And I, again, for those that are in the military. Those that are police officers that yeah, carry there's weapons, the, there's right? The, there's the next level of it. I was yeah, that are police to. officers that carry weapons and things yeah. of that nature. What I think is good about this conversation is because it must, we have to stop and consider how we have been taught violence and how many times people come to a solution and we're like, violence is the only way to answer it. When really, wait a minute, time out. It's the only way we've been told that mm -hmm. those situations can be answered. But there are other options. Mm -hmm. And and so I don't want to put out there black and white a Christian can do this or they can't do that. I think it's more important to know how has our kingdom mind mm -hmm. been either tainted, influenced by the violent nature of America. And I th again, what makes it even more insidious is it's a justified violence. Mm -hmm. that we try to sanctify our violent nature. And I think that's what has a lot of us mixed up because we don't act like villains. We try to behave like we're the righteous ones when all of, but we like, mm -hmm. if we just acted like villains, hey, like we know we're the bad guys, but we try to act so sanctified and holy when we, and I think that kind of, I don't want to use too strong a word here, but pervert, is the word, and it's the right word, right, perverts right. our sensibilities Skewed. around, and I'm, pervert is the right oh, you word. Go, okay. It, okay. It's, it's actually the right word because to pervert, to skew is to it for it to just be off, but pervert is to take what is and bend it and use it and change it for some into another use. Like how we see yeah, violence yeah, yeah. in America has genuinely be, been perverted. It's not been skewed. Mm. It's been perverted. It's been called good when we do it. Mm -hmm. It's been called righteous when we do it, when it's wrong. And the people that are doing it know it's wrong. It's been said it's for freedom when it's for money. It's been perverted. And then at the same time, we're bombing, we're pillaging, we're like condemning so young boys in the hood for violence. Let me pick on that just to, just to have a little bounce off of that. Yeah. Just because somebody gets paid to do something doesn't mean that there wasn't good that came out of it. You can enjoy your job and you get paid for it. So providing freedom and liberating people, just so it happens that we were able to make a little bit of change off of it, 
Well, this will take us down a very different path. <laughs> it, it does. It does. I if just... you'd like, because I would argue that the vast majority of our wars have not been about providing freedom. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, 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 and maybe since World War II, definite, I, I think since World War II, I think it's safe to say none of the wars that we have engaged in. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't, I'm not going to say it's safe to say. I'm going to make that statement. And I know it's a bit, you know, and definitely if we got some veterans that are listening, it it, it is it is um, maybe incendiary. But I think the America, the American proclamation that we're bringing freedom to other places. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't generally don't think it's true. Hmm. I just generally don't think it's true. I think we were fighting a proxy war between democracy and socialism. Mm -hmm. And we were using the name of freedom to fight for our capitalist uh, endeavors throughout the world. And the world works very differently the more it is full of capitalists Mm -hmm. than if it is full of socialists. Than if it is full of you know, uh, you know, different monetary systems. I, you know, us believing like we were giving people freedom that they didn't ask for. We were disposing and tearing down and and putting in different leaders all over Africa and the Middle East in the name of our definition of freedom and completely upending these countries. We keep South America and Central America unstable all the time by aiding coups and overthrows of government and it's not about freedom it's aligning with our capitalist sensibilities like i that that whole idea the whole idea that america's ventures are about freedom is the definition of what i mean by the propaganda around sanctifying our violence Mm -hmm. if we Mm -hmm. just said we're going over there to keep oil cheap then we'd all process it that way and we'd agree or disagree <laughs> and we'd say like and our view of who we are and what violence is would remain at best it would be skewed but when we call it freedom now you because pro- it's because these wars ain't the same as the civil war when you freeing slaves like mm-hmm. uh, vietnam and, and 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 iraq that ain't like freeing slaves that ain't the same thing but if we keep using that lens to 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 parse and view our violence through, we all gonna be all twisted up. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Okay. So I, I'm gonna just kind of pause that so we don't keep going down there because I could literally have a okay. whole podcast on that. Yeah. Um. Because I would talk about our police officers next, but I know and. Uh, I like some of our police officers. I do too. I do but, too. A great deal, and I respect and, them, and I believe. I respect them. I believe they are necessary. Mm-hmm. However, I do believe how we view violence mm-hmm. and how we have sanctified violence right. to a great de- degree in America is really, like I said, that's what's at issue so, a lot of times. And this falls right into the legal realms when I phrase it this way on purpose to start some stuff, but also just, you know, honestly continue the conversation. Do you feel that we can stand our ground as Christians, you know? I know in the state of Florida you can, but as Christians, can we stand our ground? So that's the question. What's your ground? 
Mm. See, that, that's why I said the whole idea of pacifism, the, 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 the real story is what you believe about where your citizenship is and whose kingdom you're a part of. Mm-hmm. How dare I call this my ground when I say this earth is not my home? When, when Jesus says my kingdom is not of this earth and then I believe some ground I have here is more valuable than a human life that God intends to redeem. Mm-hmm. Like that's to me, that's the real challenge. I, I, I'm, I, I don't, again, I don't want to try to get into this flat answer of mm-hmm. you can never, you sure. know, defend your house or if someone's obviously breaking everyone's in. sitting here thinking, man, you got five kids. If somebody come in your house, pastor, I, I'm not trying to, I'm not so, trying to, and, yeah. and I, so I'm not trying to give the black and white answer to right. it's never okay to mm-hmm. physically defend yourself if someone's coming in your home or you know, the, the the real question to me is what we believe about our ground. Mm. Is your citizenship really in heaven? Like how you feel about what you're defending and where you, how you would defend it. And, you know, we got people shooting people running across their lawn in the name of standing their ground. Right. <laughs> you know, like yeah, they do. to me, the, 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 the real issue is about what we believe about the kingdom, our citizenship, our ownership, mm-hmm. and most importantly, what we believe about other human beings and how God feels about them. Yeah, too. and I, I really want you to hold on to that tab because that's definitely one of maybe my favorite questions I want to get into when you talk about how we feel about other human beings. Yeah, make sure to hold that. I'm I'm sure you're going to come yeah. back to it, but it transitions well. Um. So one of the things that I've all, you know, I tell people and I have conversations with people about with Jesus per se was how he was a lion and a lamb mm-hmm. and he could flip over tables or he could tell, he could put a guy's ear back on. Mm-hmm. How do you find a healthy balance in that then in this whole concept of pacifism? Because you would say as a lamb, it's turn the other cheek, turn the other cheek. Mm-hmm. But there is a bit of what some might consider sometimes required just aggressiveness Mm -hmm. so how do you find a healthy balance in that yeah so i think it it has uh it has a lot to do with thinking thinking outside the box of the binary that we've been given Uh, and that's 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 what i mean and and when i was you know even talking about um our police officers and the sanctifying of violence america is is you know, is so much of our economy and things are built on violence. We spend trillions of dollars on violence. Like mm-hmm. you, so when you invest in something, you have a vested interest then in ensuring that that idea stays at the forefront of people's minds as the right thing to use and buy and sell. I mean, the NRA is one of our biggest lobbying groups, but I won't continue down. <laughs> that rabbit hole but the presumption that to be a lion is to be violent is to buy into the binary that you are either a sheep or you are violent and that's not the case Mm -hmm. so to be a lion Jesus wasn't going around fighting and beating people up Mm mm-hmm it wasn't like that wasn't Jesus's thing. You know, he turned <laughs> tables over. Right. But he wasn't physically harming people. So, for instance, Martin Luther King's 
version of pacifism. Uh-huh. It was a very aggressive nonviolence. Like, this is what you got to understand about, like, people need to do read, read on Martin Luther King, like, and the depth of thought behind his nonviolence. His nonviolence wasn't, we don't fight. It yeah. was an aggressive nonviolence. Mm-hmm. So it was, he changed things. He, he confronted, he was very confrontational mm-hmm. with his nonviolence. He wasn't a sheep. Mm-hmm. He was going and marching into violent places. Like he wasn't like staying home and staying out of the way. Right. He was a lion. He was very aggressive. Like what really confounded people. And they hated him at the time. Oh gosh. He was hated. He got killed. Right. Right. What confounded people was that he broke the paradigm that you can change things, you can move things, you can be aggressive. And violence doesn't have to be the way it's done. I'm just saying there are like to your question about lion and a lamb to be a lion isn't to just be violent in the way that we perceive Mm -hmm. the person being assertive. Martin Luther King was very assertive, Mm -hmm. very assertive. He was a lion of a man while also remaining nonviolent. He put himself in the way of violence and intentionally chose to not be violent and to remain peaceful in spirit too, to hold a mirror up against the absurdity of violence that you would throw rocks at, beat, and sick dogs on people walking in the street. He was holding up a mirror to the absurdity of Mm. violence as you know, a, a a way of solving and fixing. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think that it has to be this binary of to be a sheep, a lamb is to be this passive docile, mm-hmm. turn the other cheek, and then to be the lion is to be this violent, fist throwing, gun toting, sword wielding person. No, it is to be aggressive. It, it is, it is to pursue. It is to change. It is to break down systems that are of oppression. And violence isn't the only way mm-hmm. to do that. Okay. And I, and again, to be have a good Christian ideal is to know that there are other means by which we can be a lion in prayer. Like we can pray mm. Mm. down strongholds. Like why we why we why we immediately think we got to go get the gun? We got you know the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Right, right. But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Like, that's what I talk about. Your perception of who you are, where your citizenship is, what your ground is, what your weapons are, tells the story and should really influence how we view violence. Okay. I love that answer. Great answer, uh, in my opinion. We'll see what the people say. But that's that's the, because most people, when you think of Martin Luther King, if I say lion or lamb, they're going to say lamb. Nah, say, that was a lion of a man. Right, right. A lion of a man. thousand percent agree. And then they would say the other side of that would be Malcolm X as the lion. Mm-hmm. Right? That would yes. be how Exactly. Yeah, that's the binary. It. Yes, sir. However, your perspective and pointing out of that was, I think, great. Man, he was walking into the teeth intentionally of danger. Right. It's a lion of a man. And again, America has a vested interest in that narrative. Yeah. Right. But yeah. nah, man, you can be a lion in very, very different ways. 
I, I, I almost feel like that was like literally for somebody. Like mm-hmm. I think that might have helped someone out. Um, so you you mentioned the capitalism capitalism that is based off of this, and we're talking about trillions of business. Yes. So this is coming down. I'm sorry to come down your street on this one, and one of our favorite listeners is coming right down your street too. But do you believe fighting for sport is something that we could do as people of faith and as Christians? Per se, like boxing, MMA, things like. I that. mean, I wrestle. I and you wrestle. Even though wrestling isn't fighting, that's why I'm getting in. Like I'm, I want to differentiate wrestling because in wrestling, you're not per se trying to do as physical harm no. to the other person. No, as a matter of fact, it is the opposite. Like, yeah, you're it, you're it, more so yeah. trying to do some other things to them that I you know, we'll talk about. But I like boxing. You're literally trying to knock the other guy out. Yeah. MMA, you're trying to end their life. Break I mean, them. Yeah, you're trying to inflict pain on them. I don't know. So I I boxed too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I never did it competitively, but I boxed. Um, I don't think two people agreeing to a sport is the same as, you know, somebody in the street fighting. The intentions are very different. Mm-hmm. And I this is from this again, I, I do know wrestling in this sense is similar because people that have never done it before, mm-hmm. when they see two guys wrestle and you get done and you're bloody and bruised and then you hug afterwards. Sure. Is because your intention toward the other person right. it is sport. It is strategy. It is tactical. Mm-hmm. You know? So the hug and the mutual respect that I often see and I think it happens probably more in those kind of sports mm-hmm. like boxing and MMA where you have that genuine brotherhood and respect and they hug each other Yeah. after you get done and I remember guys would always say that never wrestled that would come to my meets and, and if I we would shake hands and we'd hug after an especially hard match and they said yeah. man how come you didn't like I wasn't fighting him Mm-hmm. I wasn't mad at him. We weren't mad at each other. That, that, that what we were doing wasn't coming from a place of anger mm-hmm. or violence. It was coming from a strategy or like they call boxing, the sweet science. Like I'm yeah. not, it's, 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 I think that to me is what makes it different in mm-hmm. being as someone that boxing is, you know, Absolutely. one of my loves. Maybe <laughs> I, I, I could be that's biased. Why I had to, that's why I had to apologize because again, it's just one of those things like, you look at NASCAR. Mm-hmm. We're not trying to hurt each other doing that, but the uh, things go wrong in that those sports is like life loss. Same yeah. thing with box, boxing, right? Mm-hmm. I haven't known it to happen in MMA just yet. As crazy as it is, I, I just don't know of any MMA fighters dying. Yeah, actually, because it's interesting. One of the things that makes boxing dangerous, or potentially. Mm-hmm. have more damaging effects on the brain is because MMA, because of their small gloves, gloves yeah. they don't take as many punches. You'd rather take one hard punch and get knocked clean out sure, than get punched a hundred times over, over and over again. Maybe not yeah. as hard, but over and over and over again. Cause you know, you're going to sleep. It's like your brain's defense mechanism. Yeah. So, you know, that's one of the reasons it's a little less dangerous because yeah. of the little gloves, just one hit or quitter, you go to sleep, Right. You wake up a lot less damaged than getting hit 150 times 
you know, 200 times over the course of 20 minutes. You right, know, that's, right. a, that's a long day at the office. <laughs> that's a long day at the office. But I I think the intent in the heart mm-hmm. is different. The intent in the heart of it. Uh, okay, okay. So, you know, as long as you're not trying to, like, physically hurt your opponent. I mean, you're physically trying to hurt them. Yeah. Well, there's a difference to, like, hurt and injure. Like, when I played football, I wasn't trying to hurt anybody until we played our rival high school. See? Then if it was, like, one across the middle and I could take a guy's head off, I thoroughly enjoyed it. See? That would that's where I would say there is some. But that happens in sport, right? You have rival. And it, it starts to become personal. And it shouldn't. Yeah. And, you know, I was in high school, so I wasn't, you know, ready for all of that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that that's that's a good, fun. Uh, you get me in trouble with some of my people today. I know. That's man. OK. We can have some good conversations <laughs> about it. We tried to have some folks on here before. You know, I'm sure that might have some feelings about this conversation. Oh, man. I thought that, that name came to mind, too. Oh, boy. That's my girl. Duh. So. I was going to dive into some scripture here, but that, that gets a little, I, I, I want to well, get into, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I really do want to come back to this whole valuing, you know, you talked about human life and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about this uh, subject of pacism, pacifism. How do you feel this plays into, and you don't have to, whatever, but the death penalty. Well, I will say very. I don't have to tap dance around that. Like I am completely and utterly anti-death penalty. Okay. Tell us more. About completely it. and utterly. Now, from a Christian standpoint or from a natural standpoint? Both. Okay. So talk to me about both. Natural. I, ha- I have my natural. I have my natural about it as well. So go ahead. Naturally, I think it is absurd that a country that has the past that America does with racism, slavery, yeah, uh, Jim Crow mass incarceration continues to disproportionately kill black people. Mm-hmm. Like if you had any ounce of sense, like what would, what, 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 what would we have done if after the Holocaust, Germany continued killing Jewish people left and right mm-hmm. in the name of the law, everybody would have called time out and say, you guys don't have any moral credibility after you just got done putting these people in gas chambers and in ovens and internment camps to then turn around and judge these people and see yourself worthy to determine whether they should live or die. Especially not when you see you're not killing Germans, you kill white Germans, you're killing Jewish Germans at like a 10 to 1 clip. Something's mm-hmm. wrong. We would Everybody would stop everything and go, what's happening here? Mm-hmm. And America is essentially doing that. We got done enslaving black people, lynching black people, and then we send them to the death chair, chair, the electric chair, as if we can trust as a country our judgment of black people. It's insane to me. Mm-hmm. It's ins- it it is one of the most insane things of all of the insanity that we endure as Americans is that America kills black people all the time time mm-hmm. very rarely kills white people but kills black people disproportionately it's insane that that happens and, and people just sit around like it's normal this is number one naturally i think it's insane mm-hmm. specifically here in america 
think it's insane. I can't speak for other countries because I don't know all of their social political history yeah. and all their cultural things. But in America, I think it's insane to have the death penalty. As a country, our judgment has shown to be faulty over and over and over again. How dare we stand in that kind of final judgment? Mm-hmm. Our justice system has been shown, our judges and the sentencing, it has all been shown to be skewed, to be faulty when it comes to certain type of people. And you got to have a certain type of justice system. But at a certain point, you got to call time out and say, we're not qualified to make that kind of judgment. That's too far. We send babies to jail for their whole life. That's, that, it's insane to me that we would then believe enough in our moral credibility and moral authority to then de- believe we should determine who should live and who should die mm-hmm. i don't think america has that kind of moral authority mm-hmm. to make that kind of decision i don't know if any human being has that moral authority mm. i would question it mm-hmm. if any mm-hmm. human being has the moral authority to determine if somebody should live or die however scripturally i think i think it flies in the face of grace mm. to take away somebody's ability to receive it regardless of what they've done God knew what they would do. He knew all of the kind of atrocities that human beings would commit. And he sent his son, Jesus, to die, to pay for all of those sins, to give all of us access mm-hmm. to that grace. I'm not saying people shouldn't pay. I'm not saying that they might, shouldn't be in jail for the rest of their life in a hole, a dark, deep hole. But for us to decide that person's access to the grace of God, for which we believe all human beings Mm-hmm. You know, should have access. I, I, I just, I can't imagine that that is pleasing to God for us to say, yeah, that was bad enough that your access to grace is over. I, I just have a hard time with that. So, just to again, I, I like to dive into things. What, what do you say to you know that person who gets the death penalty? It, the way the process takes is not like they just go gas them the next week. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's time. That Long they, time. That it's, and yeah, there's a lot of, you know, uh, legal banter. That usually it's years that they sit on death row. Mm-hmm. In that time, they've got plenty of chance to see grace and be forgiven by God. And then mm-hmm. they die under his grace. Mm-hmm. What do you say to that? Like, it's maybe something that gets them to point at it. Because we talk about there are natural penalties to pay, even though God's going to you know, mm-hmm. your soul is what's most important. And there yeah. you go. So what do you say to like, well, maybe that helps people get to God that otherwise never would have ever repented for that. I listen, you, you, you're right. That sometimes people sit on death row for years and you say they had ample opportunity to give their life to Christ. And if you didn't, and, and by the time you went to this chair, and furthermore, having an exact date, Mm-hmm. You know, because a lot of us, you know, a lot of people get caught up not knowing when that day's coming. They know. So that's just for the point of it. Go, continue. Um, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. That one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. As some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If God is willing to wait, 
who are we to say that was long enough? Mm-hmm. And he's getting called all sorts of names and people are acting like he's weak because it's been 2000 years since Jesus walked mm-hmm. the face of the earth. He's not slack concerning his promises. He doesn't want anybody to perish. So he waits. Who are we to get tired of waiting? And God is the one who they have offended. They've offended him more than they've offended you or I. You had 10 years. You ain't get it in 10 years. How many of us got saved when we were 30, 40? Like, so what's the age for us? That once we get that age, <laughs> stop preaching to him. Stop praying for him. Stop witnessing to him. He's 35. That's long enough. If he didn't get it from 20 to 35, don't invite him to church anymore. Like, what's our cutoff? Do we do we stop inviting people? Do I stop preaching to him just because they are a certain age? I think it's, I, I, like I said, it's hard for me to reconcile a God that is willing to wait. Mm-hmm. And then say, well, we gave him long enough. We can't wait any longer. They got to pay. God is waiting all of this time. And he's going to make people pay. Because the scriptures say, but the day of the Lord is coming like a thief in the night. Oh, oh, they're going to pay. But he doesn't want anybody to miss out on access to grace. And if God's waiting and we decide we can't wait anymore because our judgment must be executed and our righteousness must be upheld more urgently than God's. I I just mm. struggle with the idea of that. I like I said, I'm not saying that they should be free and shouldn't have to pay, but I, I struggle with cutting off somebody's access to grace. Okay. Now, and help me with this because I didn't uh, dig into it enough. But is there Old Testament basically? showing us how they believed in a death penalty of course you know isn't like that's a precedent set by the bible yeah so one of the things you got to understand and and it's one of the things that's beautiful but challenging about the bible is on several fronts number one everything that's in the bible isn't necessarily being condoned by the bible it's just describing and saying what happened number Mm -hmm. one Mm -hmm. just because it tells us everything good bad and ugly of humanity so just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean it's being condoned. It's describing and telling a story. Another part that's challenging for people is the progressive revelation of God, that God met the children of Israel where they were. And the goal is to take them somewhere else. And when you have a natural people, when you have them in the world, they aren't saved. Jesus hasn't come. He deals with them according to where they are and his kindness. But we get a progressive revelation of the kingdom of God. That is where the children of Israel were is not ideally where God's people will end up. Like that's not the way it's supposed to work. Mm. That's the way it had to work under those circumstances. He does not dwell in tents made with man's hand, but they had a tent where the Ark of the Covenant is where he met them. But that's not where God wants to live. Mm. He doesn't want to be in a, tent don't want to be in a building we look for the day where the knowledge of god will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea like that's a it's a progression so we can't say just because in the old testament he wanted to live 
in a temple. Well, he don't want to live in you and I because in the Old Testament, he used to live in the temple Solomon built. No, this is progressive. It's going somewhere. Mm -hmm. So just because they were executing the death penalty in the Old Testament and stoning children for being disobedient to parents, mm -hmm. does that mean those of us who are now have access to the kingdom of God should be functioning the way people who did not like that, that that's not the right measure. Mm -hmm. What Jesus' whole announcement is the kingdom is here. The old Testament is a shadow. The kingdom has arrived. That was Jesus's message. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. Mm -hmm. The kingdom. Like, so now we live according to kingdom principles. The whole idea of Christian pacifism, it works in the kingdom. Now, we have these questions of what do you do when an intruder is breaking into your home because the kingdom isn't everywhere yet. Yeah. And right? It's a hand for you at that moment. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, like they, that that the kingdom hasn't infiltrated and overtaken the whole earth. So that's why Christians, that's why it's hard to answer the question, should I, as a Christian, stand my ground? Well, I'm trying to live kingdom principles. And in the kingdom, there isn't violence. Mm -hmm. But while we're strangers in this land, we live according to kingdom principles that clash with the reality of our world. So, but to say, well, they did it in the Old Testament. Shouldn't we be doing it now? No, that ain't. It's just a progressive revelation. Jesus is showing us a new and better way mm -hmm. via a new and better covenant mm -hmm. that Paul calls it. Okay. Okay. Well, I feel like I've had enough fun with you, and I'm going to cut you some slack a little bit after that. That was uh, picking on your boxing especially. That just oh, man. That no, you was right trying to get me in trouble with some of my friends. Hey, <laughs> y'all. I, I was not right trying to cause street. trouble. That's Justin doing this. I love you all. <laughs> Don't be mad at me. We can talk. Let's go to lunch. <laughs> there you go. I got y'all a couple of lunches with the pastor. But uh, just go ahead and, you know, take us home with your spiritual takeaway on this whole uh you know, Christian pacifism. Yeah, so, so again, and I've said pretty much what I want to say. Yep. And it's a, it's a, it's a better way. That to me is, is, is really the big takeaway. I don't, I don't want to hear somebody who may be in the military, me saying, oh, Christians can't be in the military. I don't want anybody that's a police officer hear me say all oh, Christians can't be police officers that carry gun because quite obviously I don't believe that however my goal today was to challenge our notions of violence as such a primary response and option for believers so much so that we spend a lot of time attempting to justify mm -hmm. when we haven't done a lot of work considering the way violence is sold to us, the way we are indoctrinated to violence, to where violence is in the name of the state deemed righteous and glorified. Again, I want to make that clear violence in the name of the state. And it's, I think that's, that's a critical American distinction that we really, really, really valorize our violence. And it has Christian sin violence all wrong mm. so I, my, my goal today is to not try to convince someone to be a christian pacifist and even though there's so many stark 
teachings that Jesus has in the scriptures about don't do evil to people that mean evil to you. Right. That turn the other cheek. Like we don't. Yeah. Even if they mean you evil. Yeah. Break it in your house. Like you can look at that quite literally if you like. So if they mean you evil, don't return it. Now, some would say, well, if I got him off my kids, I wasn't returning evil to him. That was just like I, I, like I said, I don't want to get into the parsing of that text because there's people far more qualified because they spend a lot of time on trying to figure out how much violence they can inflict on other people <laughs> that would do a better job of dividing that text. Because yeah, there's a difference between defending and then you can go from defending to then trying to harm that person for what they did. Right. To your family. Right. And there's people that make that case. But what I want, I believe as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we need to see violence very differently than other people see it. Period. Whether that means you don't engage in it at all, regardless of the circumstance or whether you look at it as to when it's justified because it's for a righteous cause or whatever the case may be. Wherever you are on the spectrum, I think we all need to have a kingdom view of violence and how we use it and how we participate in it and where on the spectrum of options for us <laughs> it falls right. and 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 again that many people believe Martin Luther King to be a passive person is beyond me it's it's it but again that's because violence is seen as the way problems are solved the way things are fixed the way you are a lion and nothing could be farther from the truth, Jesus did not inflict violence. He had violence inflicted upon him. And it is by his stripes we are healed. Like the kingdom is so inverse in its principles mm. from the worldly system. That's why it we have to be careful buying the world's math on violence when kingdom principles are the inverse. We were healed by his wounds. Mm. Blessed are the poor for they shall be filled blessed are they that mourn like the the kingdom and that that that's so much of Jesus' teaching and in that same sermon where mm -hmm. he teaches the beatitudes that are very yeah. counter is where he teaches don't repay evil to someone that means you evil turn the other cheek what he was what, what's so inherent in that whole lesson is the kingdom principles don't work like the worlds do so we can't and shouldn't approach defending ourselves defending our families, tearing down unjust systems and creating social justice, all things we should be doing. We should, we just should know that we have different tools and principles at our disposal and, and use them. Right. Like there was a, an abortion clinic mm -hmm. um, near my house on Southfield road. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yep. And um, for years, people like almost 24 hours a day, there would be people walking up and down the sidewalk praying yeah. in front of that abortion clinic. Eventually it closed and moved. Right. I would take them walking in front, of, in front of and protesting and praying in front of that abortion clinic over a crazy person bombing it 10 times out of 10. Mm -hmm. Right? Like there are other means by which to create justice that we should consider. I'm not trying to say that violence is never. I don't know. I don't know. But I just want us to have a sharper view on how we've been indoctrinated towards violence. Jesus said, if you live by the sword, you'll die by it. 
you know, and I think that that's that's something that we should consider a great deal. And who, wh- are you a citizen of heaven? That should change how you defend yourself, period. Mm-hmm. Are you really going home when you leave here? <laughs> who fights going home? But that's a whole other story. <laughs> I got you. I like to say I'm going to the crib. <laughs> Go change my language. Yeah, who fights going yeah. to the crib? <clears throat> Fair enough. Unless that ain't the crib. Well, I ain't saying, I'm just saying. Starting more stuff. See, it ain't just me. <laughs> but yeah, man, I'm, thanks for uh, going through that. Because that was uh, kind of one of those uh, natural spiritual subjects that I think really foggy some lines yeah and yeah and it is it is i just don't think it's easy it's not because some people just want to know Pastor Dorian, can i shoot him if he come in my house right right you know, y'all better should know me better than that by now that i'm not gonna let you off the hook from being spiritual <laughs> by just giving you an answer i'm gonna pray for him then i'm gonna shoot him pastor <laughs> i'm gonna just shoot him in the leg i'm not gonna shoot to kill i don't know what y'all gonna do Right, right. So a little bit of fun now. A little bit of fun for okay, us. Okay. You know, uh, I like to have our listeners get to know our pastor a little bit better uh, as far as just the guy I know, Doe. And uh, this is one of those good con- good questions. Can you give me and our listeners a movie or TV show that most surprised you in that, like, you had expectations of very little to none, maybe even regretfully were going to see it, mm-hmm. didn't want to see it, thought it was going to be trash. But after you saw it, it was like, huh, that actually was good. Uh, TV show or movie mm-hmm. that I didn't have, either I thought it was going to be bad or didn't have great expectations for, I was surprised. Uh, maybe an interesting one mm-hmm. for people. But one of the movies I was most pleasantly surprised by was Hidden Figures. Hmm. Genuinely surprised by it. Okay. I did not intend to see it. Yeah? Yeah. Didn't want to watch it and ended up going to the movies. Um, my wife and I were trying to go to movies. It might have been the only thing that we could yeah. get tickets to or something. And I was like, oh, well, I'm going to sit next to my wife. And I loved it. Okay. I loved it. Now, some people are like, how did... So number one, I don't do black suffering movies. Okay, yeah, I don't do. About that yeah, I don't, yeah. don't watch slave movies. I, you know, name the most slave movies. I ain't seen them. I don't care what they say about it. Harriet Tubman. <laughs> I don't need to see that. You don't know. get me on that one. I didn't. I didn't like the premise, even what I read about it. But like, I don't. I don't go watch slave movies. Twelve Years a right, Slave. Right, I ain't right. seen that. There'd be one. I don't watch. You know, black suffering movies, The Butler. I don't. I just. Yeah. That, that just doesn't interest me. Mm-hmm. And I believe Hollywood has created this whole industrial block complex con, uh, complex around black suffering and entertainment, and mm-hmm. I don't. I don't like it. So number one, I'm like, I don't need to see these sisters in there getting brutalized mm-hmm. by these white dudes at NASA, right? Because I could just see that in my mind. Just <laughs> these women enduring, yeah. you know. Secondly, I thought that they would probably inject some other agendas and things yeah. in to the to the show, right? Because a lot of times they can't let black stuff just be about black people. It's got to be about other things. Yep. Uh, so I was kind of skeptical of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was phenomenally done. Okay. I love that movie. I mean, I was texting people like, "Oh no, you need to see this," because <laughs> I thought they, of course, the black women that mm-hmm. um, that the show is about were genuinely phenomenal people. Like, yeah, 
unbelievably so. I still, like, as much recognition and as celebrated as they've been since that movie, I still don't think we, like, deal with how utterly amazing those women were. I agree. Otherwise, you'd be able to specifically name drop all three of them. Exactly. And that's just, you know, so. Most can't. I, but the other pieces, I thought they handled, and call me what you will, I thought they handled their relationships with their family and their husbands really well. Yeah. I thought the movie was, you know, going to depict their husbands as insecure, upset about their wives, great careers and intelligence. And I thought they handled black men mm-hmm. very well. I think in, in, in Hollywood, I don't think Hollywood does well with celebrating black women mm-hmm. and black men. Many times they have to do one at the expense of the other. Mm-hmm. You know, like if the man is up, the black woman has to be upset and angry and threatened by a white woman. And if the black woman is up, the husband's got to be insecure, drunk and mad because she ain't paying attention. You know, like it, it it's hard. Yeah. A lot of times they elevate one at the expense of the other. Yeah. And I didn't feel like they did that. They treated their husbands with great dignity and respect and their relationship. And lastly, they didn't um, they still gave him his one moment. <laughs> but they didn't make it all about, you know, some noble white person coming to really save yeah. these black women, you know, the white savior complex. They didn't do so many of the things that I just knew was going to happen. Like <laughs> Kevin Costner is going to really be the hero <laughs> for these damsels in distress, you know, and they didn't do. I thought it was personally thought it was really well done. Yeah. Really well done. Okay. And I, cause I, I didn't have any, Listen, when I thought of this High question and I was thinking um, I, that was not a movie in a thousand <laughs> years I would have come up with like, yeah, he like one. Oh, oh you saw it. Cool. And then you said you enjoy. Wow. Yeah, okay. I enjoyed it. So I you say you don't do the black stuff. I don't I know do that it. About you, I don't so. entertain myself with it. That's good. But and they didn't do a whole lot. They didn't like Mm-mm. spend a lot of time on their torture. You know, <laughs> like they showed us enough to yeah. make it real, but they didn't entertain us with it. I thought the balance of it was really good they did a good balance between giving us history and then entertaining us i just thought yeah. it was it was like a good pop culture movie i i, I thought it was good yeah. what about you justin what's 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 your what's your surprising hit oh man so it's funny i was afraid you'd say that so i thought of one as well and for me you know i gotta go right to my stuff but it's uh it was actually guardians of the galaxy yeah uh, MCU. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was one of those things like the wives were on a trip out of town or something like that. So all the fellas were like, all right, let's go check this out. I think it was for like my brother-in-law's birthday even. And we had not too long ago just had my son. So I'm on daddy daycare duty. I'm mm-hmm. like, well, at least if it's going to be a movie I got to walk out of to quiet the yeah, crying baby, I won't, care. I won't care. Man, I was so happy that little dude didn't interrupt me. <laughs> I had thoroughly enjoyed it. I had no, yeah. no clue. I had zero expectations. Don't know it. Had never read the comics, and you know knew their character, some of the villains mm-hmm. from some of the other Marvel movies, but I had no clue about any of that stuff. And was thoroughly, thoroughly. Yeah, impressed. that's a very entertaining movie. That's the word. Enter. It's very entertaining because nothing about the previews made it seem like something I'd like to see. Yeah, and I'm not a Marvel comic universe guy. Like just because it's MCU, I gotta right, see right, it. Right. Like I probably haven't seen most of those. And I didn't see it in the theater. I saw okay. it, you know, when it 
because I wasn't yeah. going to the theater to see. Because <laughs> exactly. nothing about it, like the characters, I'm like, I don't need to see a green chick and, you know, a yeah. plant, a walking plant, tree, you know. Not, but it was thoroughly I am group. Entertain, entertaining, I have to admit. I agree. Yeah, that one, that was it. So, folks, there you have a little bit of something. Go catch in figures and uh, Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy. If you catch it, you catch it. <laughs> but uh, as always, though, appreciate you. We'll catch you around next time. Indeed. It won't be this long next time, we promise, folks. Indeed. All right, Justin, I'll holler at you, brother. Oh,